Borag Dung Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 166th episode of Space Spinner 2000 podcast, where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for June and July 1987, progs 527 to 530. This time, Orlock is out, Dread deals with a fairly hyperman. Bad Jack learns some very important things about himself. Mm-hmm. Rogue Trooper frees some slaves, and Ronald Reagan is heading home. Oh, yeah, he's coming home. He's coming home. Oh, Ronald geez. Reagan's coming home. Football Reagan. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Can you imagine? It's a team entirely of Reagans. Ooh, I'm ready. Uh, if you continue. want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 11, Strontium Dog, SDHC Files 4, Judge Anderson, Sci Files 1, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 3, The Complete DR and Quench, and 2000 AD Extreme Edition 25. Good Lord. So much stuff, Fox. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how will we kill all of this time? Yeah, and speaking of mysterious twists and turns, we go double for nothing with Thrill One Rogue Trooper. Oh, man. He's caught. This devious, yeah. degenerate general. The worst kind, Fox. Um, script robot for Rogue Trooper, Simon Geller. Art robot, Steve Dillon. Letter robot, Gordon Robson. His kid Robson. Yeah, so like you said... Rogue Trooper and the Chips have been captured by Nort General Yon Toe after killing Toe's double in a previous episode. I'm he's just so- being questioned and he's not giving up any information about his alien masters as Gunner eggs Toe on to get with the torturing. Which, you know, hey man, you're not the one getting tortured here. Yeah, seriously. Um, the Chips aren't worried about torture, of course, and when questioned about his loyalty to humanity over aliens, Rogue Sp- uh, spits in Toe's face. Really be- pro power move, you know? Always good to spit when you're chained up, of course. Um, <laughs> Rogue is beaten as the chips are tossed into a nearby room, and after Bagman lets slip that he downloaded all of Yonto's information, the general shows up to use electricity to torture the chips as well, starting with Gunner. Oh my god, he's frying him a little bit. But Got then it. gives them a day to make up their minds? Yeah, decide to give me the information. After Yonto leaves, Helm and Bagman discuss their theory that they aren't actually being sent on these uh, intergalactic hits by aliens, but instead by a, like a cabal of like junior officers or something like that. Must be, right? Nah, because Bagman's realized that people aren't <laughs> just pretending about this stuff and actually might be aliens. And in fact, he read it in the computer? Yeah, a previous assassin was captured, questioned, and killed, and spilled the beans about them. It seems like it's all on the level, and as this happens, Rogue is visited by one of of these guys. We've seen them before. They've got these big skull heads with mismatched horns and extra thumbs on the side of their hands for six fingers. Whoa. So I guess we'll just, like, just fix the plot thread that way. And, uh, yeah, they're aliens, so, okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah, stop freaking out. Uh, Rogue's realizing he's actually working for aliens, not humans, pretending to be aliens for complex reason. He is not handling it well. He starts to insanely (laughs) laugh as the chips plan their escape, distracting a guard 
Um, and as he, as they sort of do a, a, a complicated thing to like shoot a guard as Bagman <laughs> holds um, Gunner with like his his bag arms and stuff. Viable strategy. Yeah, I mean, until they get to a point where they got to move, and it's like, oh yeah, like we're just stuff. <laughs> but as they're doing this, uh, Rogue is lethal weaponing his guard, snapping his neck with his legs while his arms are chained to the ceiling. You know, as you do. So awesome. Um, and so as the guards berth in, and so, and so Rogue's like on the loose and able to 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 uh, grab the chips as they've just sort of getting an increasingly large amount of bodies piling up in front of them as they shoot them. And they're like, oh, yeah, but we're also stuck here. <laughs> um, anyway, they both managed to figure out that the aliens are real one way or another. So it's time to move Which- on. Which I feel like that would have been like a cool thing where it's like they know and they have to tell him for the reveal. But I guess they just it's weird that they both figure it out at the same time. Yeah, I guess it just gets them on the same page. I, You know, I mean, on the one hand, I do kind of like that it is an alien conspiracy and not yeah, just the absolutely. officers like conspiring against Rogue again. Just because we, we've seen that happen at least once, if not a couple times in the course. Strong of the agree. Trooper. Like, I think. If you want to tell a new story, the worst thing you could have done would have had been like the traitor general to still be alive and oh, actually God. pulling the strings here or something like that. Just, just shoot me. But as soon as they do say and confirm 100% looking at the camera, it's aliens. I'm like, I immediately got way more engaged. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it just because like, well, I guess they must have their own alien aims and maybe they're interested in killing the 20 people you got to kill for peace or something like that. I mean, it just, I like Rogue as a hitman, weirdly enough. It's kind of an interesting thing, I guess. Let, let's see more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rogue threatens an orderly and gets taken to Yanto's chambers. He calls him a parasite for feeding on galactic war <laughs> and then shoots that dude right in the face. It's, uh, you know, spat in his face was just uh, the foreshadowing for the gun, I guess. That's right. First they spit, then there's bullets, my friend. Oh my god. <laughs> With Yanto dead, it's time for Rogue and the chips to exfiltrate. They start by by repelling down an exterior wall on a rope that's attached to Yanto's body, which is pretty awesome. That is it was very cool. Rogue explains that he thinks the mission's on the level as he comes under fire from Toe's surviving supporters. He escapes in the back of a truck, heading out to the larger city full of construction and obvious slave labor. So, you know, he's a totally good guy, this Nort commander. I mean, we've definitely, like, we've seen a bunch of slaves in him before. Like, even beyond the fact that he's a damn dirty Nort, like this Yancho guy, not a cool guy, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Rogue takes the time to explain his feelings to the chips. He's turned around on this hitman thing, and he's just going to kill these dudes for the aliens. Hey, well, hey, why not? You know, yeah, chip, yeah, chips are on board. I mean, what else are they going to do? Just hang around? Well, they can <laughs> at least put them in like a special TV screen where they can hang out with digital babes. You yeah, know, finally, <laughs> um, they decide to go find the next target. Rogue hits the button to get who the ne- who's next in line for him to kill, and it's Yonto. He killed another double. <laughs> oh, jeez! I was it was the best part of this for me. Uh, <laughs> triple it's ridiculous you know? i i i hope i really hope he's just got a giant base full of clones of himself it's really just amazing. him yeah the slave compounds of yonto are exploding as rogue runs through killing masters and freeing captives help him assault the boss's base because it's time for revenge 
Dude, breaker of chains, am I right? Yeah, yeah, dragon mother. The uh, slaves join him en masse, and soon the rogue general uh, 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 is leading a rampaging force into the city. Just choking people out with chains and bludgeoning them and stuff. It's great. Rogue drives a truck full of high explosive into the fortress's gate, and they're through. (laughs) It just emerges from, like, the smoke and fire and just, like, directs this... I mean, really, like, they don't have a ton of weapons, you know? <laughs> no, but they they got rampaging hordes and rogues there to take down guys that need taken down. This is also actually a very similar Assassin's Creed move, <laughs> the way I play it, versus <laughs> maybe the way you're supposed to. Um, hey, whatever. Burn the fortress uh, to the ground, but leave the tyrant to me. In a very Judge Dredd mouth shot. Yeah, very cool Steve Dillon stuff. Like art in general here. Lots of inspiring poses by Rogue. Lots of stuff getting blown up. It's everything you'd look for in this kind of situation. Yeah, man. It's this this feels to me like a a Rogue Trooper comic a little bit at this point. And the fact that it's got some forward direction that at the very least is gonna last like for nineteen more deaths, right? You would think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 19, maybe 19, maybe like four. Either way, it's going to be good. <laughs> Wait, um, what? <laughs> anyway, speaking of deadly assassins, Fox. Ooh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thrill 2, Anderson, Side Division. So beautiful. Goddamn Side Division. Yeah. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art robot Barry Kitson. Learning robot that Tom Frame. 0902 hours on isoblock 41 fox sob got the pill te- yeah sob terrorist orlock has been waiting six years since the start of the apocalypse war for this he takes the poison that was delivered to him last episode by mind control judge ballard he eats the container of the poison to hide all evidence and then he dies snap was this all just to kill him you think he wouldn't take the poison himself if it was, but whatever. <laughs> the judges are called in. Orlock has died of a sudden heart attack. As this happens, psychic assassin Glennie Men- Mexworth mentally manipulates the responding judges this. that Orlock's, Orlock's body is sent to Justice Central. And she readies her rifle. Meanwhile, the judges are checking Glennie's apartment, wheeling her husband's dead body away, and learning that she's booked two tickets on the Zoom to Britsit. Hmm. At the same time, Anderson dreams as she recovers from an assassination attempt. She dreams of Orlock, and remembers that his scar is very similar to the one of that wolf in the vision she's been having. She realizes it. Orlock is the wolf! Oh, man, finally. Yeah, duh. Anyway, (laughs) Anderson starts awake. The Orlock's the wolf. The wolf is Orlock. Anderson's sleeping in the nude. Woo! It's Um, it's my favorite shot in this entire thing. Yeah, she jumps on a communicator to tell Central, and they tell her that Orlock is dead and being moved, and she says, you gotta call back that wagon. But before they can, the truck is... The, the truck carrying the body is forced by Glennie to go back to the basement of her hotel. The judges argue about why they've done this when <laughs> Glennie bursts in and just shoots these two dudes square in the face. It's real awesome. It was it was such a funny but terrifying like build up. 
because they're just having this like bicker session because like the guy that's driving doesn't know why he's there but is very defensive about his actions which is pretty solid in terms of, like, yeah, no humor. he's and acting like that was where they were supposed to go or what they were supposed to yeah. do the entire time like, we're in a hotel parking lot what's going on yeah we're where we're supposed to be like whatever you know so great so Glenny bursts in. She kills these judges, blasts open the truck, and injects something into Orlock. His eyes open. Orlock lives. Oh, not a good thing. Yeah. Drivers of the 41 block wagon are dead, but Orlock is there to use their mic to report in like that. You know, they're they're on their way or something like that. He sort of covers mm. for them, basically. He swiftly gets dressed as Glenny is getting ready. Oh, sorry. And as Glenny is getting ready to go, she's accosted by some muggers. And, and I like this a lot, Fox, actually, because as they enter the scene, they're teasing an upcoming story. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because they're saying, like, oh, they got to let him out to go to Super Surf 10 in Oz, Ooh. which will be which we'll be seeing a lot about later this year as uh, as uh, the, the Oz storyline begins. Damn. Pretty good. Um but before they can do much to menace Glenny, Orlock is upon them and just martial arts the hell out of these dudes. He, <laughs> he is a super soldier. Definitely. So Glenny and Orlock ride out, Maxwell promising she can deal with Anderson's side of psi abilities. Orlock says he doesn't trust Maxwell, and Anderson is suiting up, saying Orlock's alive and on the loose. I mean, vision I, of him is Oh, go ahead. I, I feel like like there have very there have been very few psychics that can go toe to toe with this nah, woman. She's t- yeah, she's top, buddy. Anderson's Ooh. suiting up. She's yeah. Um, her vision is blurred. Max- Maxwell pulls up to the Acme Mech building and drops Orlock off. Orlock leaves, clasping her hand. Good luck, comrade. Make them suffer. Count on it. Yeah, Damn, dude. <laughs> the bad guy's back. Why do we even keep him alive? I don't know. Like, I guess it may, I guess, like, they, honestly, Torture. like, the Justice Department doesn't do a lot of, like, they'll do, like, an execution if you're, like, in the heat and they've got to stop you. But I think generally they they, 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 they like to put you in an ISO cube forever instead of um, outright killing anybody, you know? Maybe. But, I mean, you know, did sort of start the most massive destructive thing ever for their city. Yeah. I mean, but they just got like, a machine justified. in there. He's killed hundreds. You know, they got the literal devil in an ISO cube. It's a crazy, <laughs> crazy situation, you know? Wow. ISO cube 666, buddy. Um, Judge Hubert assesses Ugh. the scene of the truck. Orlock's confirmed alive, and Chief Judge Silver's taken over the case. I love how, like, all of this table action that's going on, like, how it's yeah. communicated, how people are responding. There's a lot of character in here because this is sort of. The longest amount of time you've seen him just kind of act as like top. Yeah, this is this is a real a, a real um, feature for Judge Silver, and actually a lot of the new Council of Five they all show up mm-hmm. here, um, and showing that they're entirely very responsive, almost anticipatory yeah. in some cases. It's interesting. The head of prisons is Judge Strange uh, Strangeways, which is a famous prison in Manchester, England. Oh. Um, and so he's investigating the wardens. Um, Judge Grimlet of the Council of Five is um, um, organizing security at the gates of the city. And our our buddy, Judge Hershey, is leading the search of the city. Fuck yeah. Always Go good get him, Hershey Hirsch. shows up. Yeah. Silver checks with Anderson. Orlock's still in the city. And Cassandra is starting to break through Glennie Me- Mexworth's shield. 
She gets a flash of a factory in Sector 43, and the call goes out to the judges, and Anderson himself, herself is on the move there as well. Judges Ackroyd and Guido Guido spot Glennie, but she's using her powers to make the the judges shoot wild. She keeps driving, hoping to buy time for Orlock. Finally, a fleet of judges brings her down. But yeah, like you said, Fox, she's alone in the car. Orlock is loose in the wind. Not a good look. Next time on Judge Anderson, Psy War. Awesome. Awesome (laughs) stuff, man. Like, it's just bringing its A game. Definitely, yeah. Just all this action. Just, I mean... Even, you know, we, we've seen him fight once, but the level of menace that Orlock has as he gets mm. out of prison, as you see how cool he is, how he's inspired so much loyalty in his troops and stuff. I mean, really yeah, makes they... him this, like, huge character that's going to be a big uh, member of, of, like, the rogues gallery for, for Mega City 1 for, for a long time. I mean, they were willing to die for him. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like, yeah. And he still just even even at that aspect, she still says like, or he still says, "I don't trust fucking anybody." Yeah, he's got to plan ahead, buddy. You know mm-hmm. how it goes. And speaking of not being able to trust anyone, Fox. <laughs> God. Thrill three, Judge Dread. Oh, this is a weird, weird, weird couple of them, man. Definitely, yeah. Um, script by John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art by Cliff Robinson, Robin Smith, my, and Mike Collins. Letting robot Tom Frame. Aw, oh, buddy. It's time yeah, to so see a simp. Simp it up. Cliff Robinson starts us out on art, and it's the marriage of Clovis Leach and Nobby Clunk. And we get a chance to see my third favorite Mega City One subculture, <laughs> The Simps. It's pretty good. Yeah. Number one is fatties. Number two mm-hmm. is uglies. That that mm-hmm. then it's simps. <laughs> feel like. Feel like yeah. I like the Not guys is, who yeah. uh, when you went way too to the extreme of like facial and body reconstruction, where it was just the people with like holes in their face, and that was it. Oh, the the blobs. Yeah, but that was yeah. part of a that that was part of a scheme to um sure to like they commit crimes and subculture. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So, Nobby has simped up for his wedding, which is basically just wearing the most ridiculous thing you can find. He's wearing a canoe, glasses with a carrot no- nose, a top mm. hat full of flowers, and roller skates with an oar, and he's just sort of paddling his land canoe on his the roller carrot, skates. The carrot's got to be the annoying one. Just going to smell carrots all the time. It's real weird. Clovis, his fiance, is not pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who would be? Yeah, we learn about the concept of simping as Clovis runs out of the chapel to catch a bus, uh, the graduate style. She graduates. She misses Robinson's her way out of there or whatever. Um, and uh, pretty much like most assholes who force their weird <laughs> like subcultures on people, he doesn't yeah. understand why she doesn't understand him. <laughs> And we learn that simping is very much just dressing as crazily as possible for the express purpose of getting attention from people. You just yeah. want people to look at you, so you're dressing weird to do it. Um, and I guess, I don't know, maybe cringy. that's something that's, it's crazy, but it's also something like attention is in short supply in Mega City 1, this gray, ultra dehumanizing world of, the, of a post-need dystopia, you know? Oh, sure. But I mean, he could also be like the people who eventually dump him in the fountain, you know, find it's some true. friends. 
Yeah, suddenly he uh, uh, Navi's attacked by a gang of Adam Chance Chancers, who I believe is the agent from Harm from our right. 60s movies. They start hassling Navi again and toss him in the fountain, and that's when Dredd shows up. He runs the Jubes off, and Clovis gets on the bus, not be chasing after her, but the bus door closes on his canoe, dragging him along with the bus. I mean, this is why you don't wear a canoe, I feel like. Definitely. Nobby's dragged along on the skates, eventually breaking off and rolling free into traffic. Dread goes to intervene, eventually, like, jumping his bike off a flatbed truck, which is pretty awesome. Fantastic. Um, and Nobby uh, whaps straight into a nearby wall. Oof. Clovis gets off the bus to comfort Nobby. She still loves him, despite his simp- sympathies. Bites off, uh, goes to kiss him, but instead actually bites off part of his nose glasses. And Dread just wants to know what the grud is going on. Yep. And, uh, you know, I imagine they both get arrested. So. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be for something, man. You're making a spectacle of yourself, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> he already doesn't like so many things, you know? You've just yeah. added a new one to his list. Definitely. So let's move on to uh, Robin Smith giving us some reasons to be fearful. Oh, my um, God. Originally, this seemed like it was supposed to be a two-parter, but it's just a one-parter. Yeah. I mean, I. Uh, it does sort of set out once again to just be incredibly bleak. Mm, Absolutely. A man wakes up to find his wife a rotting corpse. His shower sprays acid. His morning porridge is full of maggots. And aliens have invested his view screen. All as the judges look on. Dreads leading the charge here. Shooting the man in the hor- in a horizontal striped suit with the fear amplification beam. Oh, great. Yeah, it's a modification of the fear gun we saw way back in uh, Prague 190. Or, or episode 58, these aliens had this fear gun that made you see what you fear. Of course mm. it didn't work on Dread Fox. Of course it didn't. <laughs> uh, this time, it opens up the ground in front of the man, making him see devils rise up and attack him. Oh my god, I'm going crazy. Yeah, no one else can see that he makes a public scene of himself, and Dread shows up and refers him to get psychological help. He calls up the Shrink You Like service, which seems to be run by judges. Yeah, dude, there's just a like a tap on the place by it being a front. Um, and they refer him to Dr. Hebdo Man, maybe a re- uh, another Alan Hebden reference here. And the man, we learn his name is Mr. Hardy, complains about his problems to the doctor and says the judges would love to get him for something. Huh. Um. And then as he talks, the judges hit him again with the fab, <laughs> making him making tons of snakes appear all over the place. Great. The shrink explains the visions are symptoms of deep-rooted guilt for making attacks on the judges because he apparently criticizes them constantly. Oh, my God. The doctor suggests a simple solution, renounces his belief, his beliefs, or spends his days living under the power of fear. Wonderful. Hardy leaves. The shrink is revealed to be a judge described as this, disguised as this doctor. And that night, Gus Hardy appears on his show, Know Your Rights, saying that he's been all, wrong all along. Long live justice. Long live the judges. Right on, creep. Yeah, and things are just fab for Dread and the judges. And this has been some evil ass shit going on here. <laughs> yeah, pretty. <sighs> it... It's really horrible, Conrad, what they did Absolutely. to that man. Yeah. 
Now, they just took one of their critics and used a a fear gun to hound him into renouncing his beliefs. This is not like things that heroes do for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> what a uh, what a guy to look up to. Absolutely. Wonder why, yeah. wonder why people have some kind of weird dread psychosis that they go through. Mm. It's very much a, a a prelude to what we'll see next episode, and we'll talk about that then. This is just sort of Ooh. at least partially seeding the you know continuing from letter from a Democrat, for instance, just to seed the idea that maybe the judges aren't as good as you might think they are. Basically, I mean, yeah, they seem pretty bad. Pretty, yeah, you know. I mean, for, like, a dystopian fascist justice system, I guess. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> I guess beggars can't be choosers in that regard. Mm. Next up, Mike Collins is on art. As an ad is posted in the newspaper, someone named F wants Judge Dredd to meet him at 2330 at the Scabs Nightery. Mm. Dredd does so and is introduced to Fairly Hyperman. Oh. He's come to protect Mega City 1. Um, and you know, he's, and basically just wants to tell Dredd all this, like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to protect the city from now on. And Dredd is not amused. No. We've seen his opinion on vigilantes before. The last time was a superhero mega man in Prague 442. And despite this guy seeming to be like the fairly real deal, complete with mm-hmm. fairly hot vision, fairly hyper strength, <laughs> and pretty decent flying, Dredd is unimpressed. Nah, man. Uh, these handcuffs are going on you right now. Yeah, he's about to arrest the Cape Crusader when a bunch of toughs break in. This is an ARV. That's an armed robbery with violence. Oh, my God. Dredd starts to take him down when Fairly Hyperman knocks him aside and takes him and takes him out with a variety of superpowers. He even freezes a guy's gun hand off. Which is horrific. <laughs> yeah, pretty, like, violent way to do it, I'd say. Yeah. The day is saved and Dredd is not pleased. He tries to arrest Fairly Hyperman, but the super just ties a knot in his lawgiver and flies off. You are in trouble, buddy. Yeah, that is, uh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, antagonizing him. Not a good, not a good plan. Uh, Next up, in uh, a pretty cool superhero double page, Fairly Hyperman saves some citizens from a crashing Zoom train. I mean, then Fairly. Ha- yeah, fairly, fairly well. And he uh, explains his origin. He's from the planet Kapok, sole survivor uh, as it exploded, the power of the yellow sun, etc. All right. <laughs> Man, I'm really, I'm starting to feel this, like, I don't know, it's like a weird flavor. It's like a, mm, like, a, like the flavor of subtext, you know? Like maybe they're, yeah. they're maybe they're making a comment by the end of this thing. It's fairly flavorful. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Anyhow, only green uh, Capokite can hurt him. Oh, and really? Someone's in danger. He's got to go. Fairly Hyperman to the rescue! There's a montage of fairly hyperheroism going on. The yeah. press asks for dread opinion. Opinion? He is oh, not stoked. Yeah, no, he uh, he goes on a little bit of a ramble. I mean, he makes a very like, um, ooh, I'm I'm angry about that Man of Steel movie. Just talking about um, how vigilantes are wrong, and this fairly hyperman is causing a lot of collateral damage as he does a superhero stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, just how superheroes go, I guess. How I mean, can Dread hope to stop him, though? You'll see. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Later, Fairly Hyperman is trying to stole, is stopping a, secu- a stolen security pod, basically just by grabbing it and stopping it in midair, causing the guys that stole it to go flying out of the windshield and just splatter onto the wall in front of them, which is and, pretty rough. Yeah, and just win some, lose some. That's how he yeah. describes that. Definitely. Dread calls him down for this. Fairly Hyperman's under arrest for the murder of those criminals. Um, and when he doesn't come along, Dredd just shoots him three times in the chest. And, uh, oh, he's bleeding. It's bad. The bullets were made from green kapokite. Oh, well, snap. How did they get their hands on that, Conrad? I mean, the basic stuff, man. The Justice Department keeps a selection of fragments from all known uh, exploding plants, especially <laughs> near radiation clouds. <laughs> and they just got a freaking ton of this stuff just in case. For every planet. Yeah, I mean, you'd be a fool not to, Fox. They've seen these movies. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is the proof, right, that they've had to handle this before. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Listen, it's a but fairly to... unlikely story, but that's just the world we're living in, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just well saying done. that it seems it seems weird and out of the blue when Judge Dredd does it, but Batman's done this like four or five times, and it's like, you know, like, oh, I well, guess I, we'll accept that. I think he's just made very clear uh, what they think about superhero comics. <laughs> oh, definitely. And I mean, I think, and I just like this because I feel, you know, I agree. It feels like this is something that's happened before. It's always, I just love that they always have these procedures in Mega City 1, you know? Right. They know that it's like these kinds of planets and especially if there's a fucking radiation cloud around it. Yeah. Like, just like they have an exorcism squad because people are going to get possessed by demons. They got a superhero. <laughs> they, they, they got superhero countermeasures, you know? <laughs> Like, the the Justice Department plans ahead. That's all it does, you know? It's, uh, you make a fantastic point. They have a unit to distribute wigs in case everybody in a sector loses their hair all at once, folks. Oh, my God. Just the truth. (laughs) I mean, that was in a daily, in a a daily star uh, dread strip. But still, like, you know, (laughs) those are moderately canonical. Um, Oh, Conrad, you're making me so happy right now. Speaking of things that are moderately canonical, Fox. uh, Non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. Pretty covers, though. Yeah, there's some good ones. Yeah. Uh, 527, better dread than dead. Robin Smith. Seems like a true statement. Yeah, he he has us make the hard decision in a very red cover here. Just some hints of blue as well to kind of make it American. Mm Mm-hmm. In the nerve center, Tharg and the boys, which is fan art with Tharg posing with some very short circuit looking um, creative droids. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's script droid Milligan and lettering droid uh, Potter, which makes me believe that the art droid is Bellardinelli because Bad Company is a Tom Frame joint, just in terms of which characters these are. But anyway, mm-hmm. probably the best Tharger in the world compliments what? his modest, which is a reference to that. Um, oh, What's that beer that's like the best lager in the world, you know? And it's like a, uh, it's a, a pine of Tharg. We, we've seen these ones before. But um, anyway, um, 
Tharg compliments his modesty and puts up some weird letters, including that he's part plant, a joke about a UB40 song, a request to come around for some birthday tea, and an accusation that Tharg is a terrorist imposter. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. But then this prog ends with an ad for a cherry Coke contest, which I found nostalgic just because I like these old school cherry Coke cans with like the the, the English style pole rings and stuff like that. Yeah. Know. They're different than what we have in the States, at least. Um, Comes with its own key. Live it up. Prog 528. Better the devil you know. All hell's breaking loose in a demonic dread covered by Robin Smith. Two (laughs) Robin Smiths in a row. Just getting dragged to hell, the poor man. Bad times. You know, that's why you don't wear the horizontal stripes, buddy. Mm -mm. (laughs) Get sent to hell. In the nerve center. Tharg accepts complaints about the new style of 2000 AD and teases an upcoming thrill, Zenith, which I'm real stoked about. Ooh. There are pictures of Vogue Trooper and Judge Cool, which I believe is like a popsicle ad or something. Hmm. Most of the letters are references to the new comic styling in Prog 520. Uh, You know, I I don't know how much you've noticed this, Fox, but like 2000 AD is definitely way taller at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, the papers are a little better and stuff like that. Um, People talk about how the cover was a reference to the ELO album, Out of the Blue. There's a question about whether Dred's black and white socks are regulation. And mid-prog, there's a big ad for badass water guns and some alternate pictures of Tharg. A very small Tharg, a Mr. Men Tharg, the flower grater, Mean Machine Tharg, and a very John Hinklinton Tharg, the warped. It's pretty terrifying. Not a good one. Got some stuff coming out of his head. 529. Barry Kitson draws a ghostly Anderson looking on as Orlock beats up like six dudes. Orlock's back in town. That's so kung fu. It's like the movie I want to see. Definitely, yeah. I I love any situation where one guy beats up like six guys. I think like one guy beating up 20 guys should be an Olympic sport, Fox. That's my my claim to fame. That's... (laughs) It's fantastic. We should just have blood sport. No, like, I mean, I, I would like it to be like a uh, a choreography event, like synchronized swimming or um, floor oh. routine or something like that. Yeah. Just like a badass, you know, all the countries get together and do like their national fighting styles in a big one-on-twenty fight. You know, I Holy. think that would be a cool, a cool, like, uh, thing. Conrad, we need, yeah. uh, as your manager currently... Uh, we need to get you in touch with the Olympics, like fucking immediately. That's right, buddy. I gotta figure out how to say. I feel uh, like it's like a fight a, twenty a, guys in Greek. Live that up. I would say. I would say it's you know it broaches both uh, winter and summer. Hey, I'm always ready. Um, in the nerve center, Tharg bids adieu to Strontium Dog. There are pictures of Tomas de Tank Engine <laughs> and an electrical conductor leading a, the robot. Forgot band. about that. Thomas the Tank Engine, but, uh, you know, be pure, be vigilant, ride the rails, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Writers wonder why Tharg isn't trying to get people to read 2000 AD, which I don't get. Um, A reader notices an increase in political satire in 2000 AD, and the letter's full of, like, uh, UK political references. Like, I've been laboring with these new mm-hmm. references, you know? Um, you haven't been conservative in their um, release, uh. etc. 
A reader has noticed that Spider-Man has a new costume and wonder if Dread needs a redesign as well. You know, Spider-Man's moved to the black um, uh, pre-Venom style costume at this point. Okay. And Thog's like, listen, man, like Dread isn't wearing a costume. He's wearing a uniform and those stay the same. All right. Yeah. The costume with the same uniform for years. Like, you know, get out of here. Um, Prague 530. Dread takes it on the chin. Mike Collins wants to know if the jaw in Mega City One can take on a fairly hypermandible. It's uh it's a great I love this cover. I love the colors. I love like the it feels very um it yeah, feels this older is one that, in art style. It really take yeah, it really takes advantage of the ability to do these painted covers um mm-hmm. in the in the new version. It really kind of has them looking really cool and by the way and i spent like three minutes trying to figure out the pun for fairly hyper mandible so i'm 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 leaning into that one love <laughs> loved um, it in the nerve center thark apologizes for the lack of strontium dog content now the bitch is done there's a picture of a of a nemesis johnny alpha hybrid and a strontium what? frog a whole bunch of people ask <laughs> why johnny alpha great. Yeah, I love any strontium dog uh, pun. I'm a big fan of. Um, a lot of people, like I'm gonna say, like seven, like like the entire nerve center is just people asking why Thar- why uh, Johnny Alpha doesn't have Bubba tattooed on his chest anymore when he took his shirt off in Prague 521. Maybe got that removed. Maybe. Nah, he kept it on because it was his heat. His oh, that's was right. burning like flame, buddy. You never take it off. You got to be angry about um, Bubba tattooing him after he killed Wolf and stuff. That's right. So wait, uh, why? Thargo- we- yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's like he said that you played Conquerors with chestnuts in there um, or uh, <laughs> hazelnuts. Anyway, never forget. Um, Thark has a couple explanations, including that Johnny's mutant physical structure has allowed him to heal, like the offending body art. Okay. Um, my point is, don't stress out about it, basically. Or eh, I didn't even notice. Combi- combined with, I think um, it's safe to say that um, Escara's art style can get a little like a Ren and Stimpy-ish, I guess. Where yeah. you could do where, by which I mean that you kind of have a model of Johnny Alpha, but if you really zoom in, things can get way more detailed, you know? Mm. And so I'm sure that you don't see the Bubba tattoo on Johnny Alpha because it's not important to the story anymore. Just like you might not see mm. like bullet wounds and, or another old scars and stuff like that, that a guy who lives Johnny's life almost certainly has as well. Hmm. That's I my story. That's, and I'm sticking to it. I think that's yeah. fair points, man. Mid prog there's a big ad for Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol, <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. I don't know. Like, I love the devolution of Police Academy. Because the first oh. one is like an R-rated sex romp, but like this one is, is rated PG, and like there's a kids' cartoon and stuff like that. You know, they're just sort of like yeah. I mean, it went off it's the just rails. Softened as things have gone on. It's yeah. interesting. Well, God, but you you of, still want to take your family to that hilarious sex romp? Yeah, now it's still kind of sex rompy, but you can also just show the whole thing on TV, and Bobcat Goldthwait's there. You know, it's it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> But speaking of things that have not gone soft, Fox. Thrill 4, Mean Team. Script robot, Alan Hebden, art robot, Massimo Bellard, and Ellie letting robot, Steve Potter. I like how practical they treat I-beams in this. Yeah, they're just figuring it out, man. Um, 
five-headed um, chainmail mini scoop mini skirt wearer emerald eyes and that's a five head as opposed to a four head not five actual heads um she's trying to eye blast bad jack keller he goes to hit her with his ball and chain but is stopped last minute by psychic panther henry moon jump slash don't hit my new cute girlfriend yeah apparently she can't see when she's eye beaming so jack's able to get around her basically and so i guess they just blindfold her because we cool now yeah, he blindfolds her and demands to know what's up. Emerald Eyes says that everything's bad because Jack has gone evil. Whoa. Meanwhile, at the top of a badass castle. That's um, pretty evil, awesome. Yeah, evil co- co-joined twins, Blue Baloo, are getting whipped by an even bigger evil master. And this whole thing's feeling very Black uh, Blackhawk to me, Fuck, I don't know if they're getting similar, <laughs> similar getting feels. Highly similar. Just a bunch of gladiators loose on a weird planet with a big master evil kind of situation. You yeah. Know? Yeah. The master powers up Blue Baloo and sends them spinning off after the mean team. Meanwhile, Jack is explaining his history to Emerald Eyes. He's not evil. He's just been trying to survive. And Emerald sort of understands this. As the team rides through the countryside on a bunch of sweet chimeras, when they're attacked by Blue Baloo, they've come for you! Oh my god, I can't wait for them to just keep rhyming over and over again. Definitely. The twins attack Bad Jack, then split and turn into monsters again. This time, a saber-toothed tiger with cool serrated teeth and some kind of pterodon thing. Sure. Why not? I mean, the serrated teeth are just, I mean, you really gotta open your mouth big for those things. You know, they really send it over the top. You know, they, they add to the whole thing. The tiger the eats a hole in Jack's chimera, and the pterodon grabs Jack and flies off. A dark shield pretending, protecting it from Emerald Eye's crossbow. All seems lost when a real cool dude shows up. It's Lobo! <laughs> Not the Lobo you're thinking of, but the Lobo of my dreams. He's a dude torso coming out of the top of the unicorn. So he's 50% man, 100% unicorn fox. (laughs) He's 150% of something. (laughs) It's a whole lot to unpack, man. It's It's not a centaur. It's a horse. Like, I don't even know what it is because there's not usually animals without having another head coming out of their backs, basically. It's just so bizarre. Uh, the whole ca- scene, the whole him showing up. Like, I just don't get it. <laughs> nah, it's weird. He casts a spell to make the sun shine, disrupting either Blue or Baloo's flight, sending okay. Jack plummeting to his death. And they show his broken ass neck. <laughs> oh, yeah, his head's not in a direction you want your head to be. No. And then Henry they, Moon just in case that wasn't him. enough. <laughs> yeah. Henry Moon rushes after him, checks out that he's super duper dead, but then he becomes transparent. His bones work and fix themselves, and Jack is back alive. Whoa. <laughs> okay. What happened? We'll see. He sent he swears <sighs> Henry to secrecy, and they rejoin Lobo and the rest. Lobo offers to take Jack home and to give him a ride on his back, though Jack refuses, and I think that's reasonable. I don't know how I feel about riding on the back. <laughs> it, I feel of, like... I, like a centaur or whatever the hell Lobo is. So, like, I feel like he's the kind of guy that, like, asks everybody, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Like, hey, do you want to ride? 
yeah, he's he's always going to either give you a ride on his back or for a hug as well. One of those. Yeah, two. and you're just kind of like, it's cool, man. Like, I don't I don't want to ride like behind you on your horse body. Literally just met you, bro. Like, let's keep it, <laughs> seems, keep it at a reasonable pace. Seems like a reasonable request. Anyway, they head out. They arrive at an Earthland village, which is Jack's hometown, and an old couple greets him as his parents. And so, in usual mean so team glad. fashion. Yes, you're home, son. But yeah, then Jack freaks out and attacks them. It's an abomination! It's just... <laughs> it's cool, though, it, man. You explain know. your actions before you do them. You know nah, what I mean? He had never, the time. Never. The parents turn out to be dummies, and Jack says his parents died when he was a kid, and Lobo does him to eat one better. You never had any parents! <laughs> now let me... Let me do some weird horse astral jump thing. Yeah, he, beca- he calls Jack a failure and becomes incorporeal, then pieces out, which is, man, I've been there quite a bit, and that's no fun. Um. <laughs> I feel like like everything has led up to this point in a way that I didn't understand, but <laughs> it does sort of feel like fever dreamish, right? Like yeah, a I man on super... a horse that kind of looked like my dad started saying that he was... They thought I was a pathetic failure. Like, I'm willing to, like, explain what's happening, Fox, but I don't know if I understand all that much. Um, like, Emeraldite offers to explain good luck. She says the Earth is quarantined because the constant thread of evil has run through Earth from human sacrifices oh, to God. Nazis to various futuristic sins, Yeah, as you do. I mean, this, so we're in another one of these. Yeah, the yeah, man. There's a lot of like Nazi featuring like like history of humanity's evil in 2018. It's a yeah theme, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, it's continued on. Um, Earth eventually, like, evil eventually took over Earth. It gets full of demons. The planet's closed off so that evil can't make it over the galaxy. But of course, humans do. Spread some evil in the force, the form of stuff like Death Bowl that we saw previously. Hmm. To fight evil, good has to be reintroduced. A bunch of scientists combining technology and white magic set up to do it. What? <laughs> yeah, freak out. They made two beings to do it. The or they made a they tried to make a bunch of beings, but only two survived. EE one and JK one. And they decide to just name those guys Emerald Eyes and Jack Keller because those names match in terms of like what you're trying to go for. Whatever. Uh, Jack Keller ain't human. All right. I guess he's white magic and technology. Yeah. He's not He's not human, but he isn't a robot either. You know. Um, all listen, right. If you cut him, he will bleed, but he will also instantly heal it like magically. Uh, <laughs> so Yeah, I re- I'm not clear how this squares in the fact that J- that Bad Jack Keller has a scar on his face from death from Deathpool. <laughs> like, oh God! Or like what we were supposed to now think about him doing stuff when he was actually if he was actually immortal during all that. It's yeah. like a weird, a weird thing on the character. Also, just how we're supposed to go through with an immortal character generally, which I'm not a big fan of. You know, I mean, not unless they're goopy and constantly in pain. Well, yeah, but that's a good trade-off for immortality. Exactly. Because you know, Amtrak didn't heal his wounds when he was immortal. He just constantly kept getting worse and worse, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I'm just saying that, that I prefer my characters to be textually immortal, like Bill Savage, as opposed to explicitly immortal, like Jack <laughs> Keller here. <laughs> right. Um. Anyway, fellow mean team members and real bit players at this point in the narrative, uh, Hamper and, and Amok, are well, we had to kill the other ones. By this. Yeah. Now it's just their turn. They head out to think things through about what the hell's going on with this dude. Meanwhile, Jack checks out Emerald Eyes' crossbow and just shoots her through the heart, through the chest with it, which is pretty Shut crazy. Shut the heart, and you're too late. You give Emerald Eyes a bad name. Future Earth immortality, a bad name. Oh my god. <laughs> As a muck and hammer, uh, kill and roast boars which is pretty awesome. Blue Baloo shows up and hypnotizes them. They turn the fighters against Bad Jack, showing them like idealized views of what their life could be. <sighs> a muck back among his people, hammer as the king of Death Bowl or whatever. So they're also kind of a little psychic, as yeah. well as being able to turn into monsters when their butts aren't detached. Yeah, they, they can tempt you to evil for sure. Jack realizes his, oh sorry um Jack realizes his buddies aren't coming back as Henry Moon yells at Jack for killing Emerald Eyes at which point Jack realizes <laughs> that of course she's still alive they're both unkillable and like Emerald Eyes comes up way more companionably than I would be if you shot me in the back with a crossbow she's like oh you kidder you killed me again oh <laughs> my god I, I really feel like that is a dangerous path to go down you know what I mean mm, yeah no good to kill you got to kill yourselves for fun guys take it for me um jack's starting to lose it just with this unkillable stuff as hammer and amok meet the dark master and that looks bad too next time mean team divided okay it's fine yeah i mean i'm not feeling this fox very much so the so immortality of bad jack is really hurting this for me i'm not liking it so again in a in a vacuum of space, uh, five twenty-eight and five twenty-nine are, th- but only where there is Lobo. Mm. I yeah, find listen. to be the most acceptable parts of this entire thing, and I just I want to give yeah. him special mention before I now shit on this thing. God, damn, what's going on? What are they doing? Yeah. There's just a lot of real weird, crazy, like ridiculous things happening. I really don't like that this super asshole Jack Keller is also immortal and stuff. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it feels like no justice, you know? Exactly. But speaking of getting justice, Fox. Oh, hell yeah. 305, Strontium Dog. Beautiful. I like how the, <laughs> the first jump to logic in this section is they must be inside of the idols. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, script robot for Trondium Dog, Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Call, uh, art robot, Carlos Sascara. Letting robot, Gordon Robson's Kid Robson. All right. <laughs> After securing U.S. President Ronald Reagan from the alien gorillas that kidnapped him from the year 1987, mutant bounty hunters Johnny Alpha and Durham Red have sought refuge in an abandoned alien temple, only to be attacked by a trio of their fellow Strontium Dogs. Dr. Death, Stock Eye, and Winston Fearsome. I just love, again, just saying the basic details of this bitch storyline. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Um, it's awesome. Following a frontal attack, Johnny, Ronnie, and Durham seem to have disappeared. They aren't hiding in those nearby idols that Winston has them shoot up. But oh. instead, they come up from under the temple flagstones. 
Johnny pops up. He knocks out Winston and shoots Stalkeye in the throat and Doc Death in the scalpel hand. Then gut shots with Winston. Because listen, we told you to leave us alone. You came after us the third time you've come after us. At this point, there's no quarter. It is sort of weird that he didn't kill all three until that sort of reveals itself, which makes me think he did that shit on purpose. I think so, too. With most of the baddies killed and Doc crippled, the Strontium dog wants to call it even, but Durham Red needs some of that blood, buddy, as full of fear as possible. She lets Doc Death run and then goes to hunt him. And Reagan's like, woo, and I thought Nancy was a bit of a tiger. (laughs) Lol. And here's where... um, I the the fact that I've been I've been listening to a lot of conspiracy theory stuff over the last couple of days is really messing me up, Fox. She's actually both, a tiger. Well, both Durham Red and like the globalist conspiracy prefers blood of people and a lot of fear because that generates adrenochrome, and that's the way that these vampires <laughs> like their blood. What? What is it? What do they produce? Adrenochrome, which I'm, I understand is a adrenochrome. It's what happens when, like, it's the remains of adrenaline in your blood or something like that. Oh, okay. And so, and listen, because you're building a weird conspiracy narrative, it's got to be there from fear as opposed to, like, making someone, like, run a few laps, which also (laughs) generates adrenaline in your body. But no, (laughs) apparently the fear of adrenochrome, as Durham Red can tell you, is the the best seasoning for uh, the blood. Wow. Really, I'm learning some things today. Yeah, live it up. Red taunts Doc Death as he runs through the jungle. Run through the jungle. Dread, uh, sorry, Doc starts to put some kind of a plan together. But as he does, a giant hairy snake shows up and <laughs> eats him. Oh, no. Just from bad to worse for that guy. Yeah, just started playing Dauntless as well. It's bad times. Um, in a real out of the frying pan, into the fire kind of situation, Red shows up and shoots the massive stake and frees Doc, only <laughs> Just, to go straight for the throat. I mean, yeah. It's uh, it's awesome. Like, no snake. That's my snake. Yeah. Reagan at first is sympathetic about Doc Death's fate. But hey, if it's him or a Reagan, he tells Red to eat up. Yeah, hey. Enjoy your meal. Yeah. Meanwhile, the time has passed and all the humans have left the planet Kayak. They're clearly swearing revenge, but it's different trying to recolonize a place that's already seen what you can do and gain their own tech and political systems. The Kayaks are free! Ah, snap. They armed us. Yeah, and just like... I mean, at this point, if humans tried to come back, I'm sure there'd be a lot, like, the kayaks would be able to contact the international community, the uh, interplanetary community, do a bunch of other things. Like, it wouldn't be, it's, it's, it's much easier to start from the ground up as opposed to trying to, you know, recolonize places, I think. Good work, guys. Yeah, yeah. stealing people from, uh, from time. Guess that just sends a big message across to everyone that you can hold every uh, planet that we're a part of hostage. Yeah, I'm not. I don't care, man. These human <laughs> dog universe are terrible. They're bad people. Like it's fine. Whatever. Screw them. All right. Conrad, enemy of the human race. Good times. Uh, the Strontium dog you and, and president polar bear in that Eskimo. <laughs> hey, listen. I'm a. I'm. I'm. I'm anti polar bear, but like I'm not affected because 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 Shaco takes place in the present time. All right, like <laughs> twenty one eighty. I don't care, man. Mess us up. <laughs> That's pretty. No, no fair. more Conrads to kick around. 
So the Strontium Dogs and the President wander out of the forest on day 30 of the Kyoko's K Ultimatum. They are greeted as heroes, complete with a ticker tape parade. And hey. Reagan's straight up like, hey, if you guys need a president after my term runs out in the U.S., like, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Red serves Johnny afterwards. Red's uh, like on the ship home. Red serves Johnny a drink and they toast their success. And then Red passes out because Johnny switched their glasses and she drank the poison she was intending to him for him because the double cross, you know, you can't trust her. See, this is the secret that uh, what's his name never, never learned in Princess Bride. Mm, Vizzini, yes. Mm hmm. Which you do not smell as Iocane powder. The double cross averted. Johnny goes back to the doghouse. Reagan's returned to his own time. And Alpha and Red split the 10 million credits. Sweet. You know, I'm sure. In- oh, go ahead. I mean, I'm, I'm, I love how this whole thing ends up. Because he knew. And he still bros out, man. He still leaves her half. Yeah, well, you know, you can't, like, just take that money from her. They they work together pretty well. And he can't have Durham Red after his blood. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the end of bitch! It's fantastic. I think this it was is absolutely a real fun fantastic. One, yeah, it's funny after such a grim, long-term uh, Johnny Alpha story and rage to have this one that was kind of silly. You know, it's got some Reagan stuff. I like Durham Red showing up. Like, this is a fun story. I think so too, man. Just uh, yeah. it was a nice, little bit more of a lighthearted thing after what we've been through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Johnny Alpha will return, teaming up with Midden Face McNulty again in the Royal Affair next episode, which has kings and ducks. We'll see what that means later. And then Durham Red will return for the story, The Stone Killers in Prague 560 in February 1988. Damn. All right. Yeah, good times. You know, just we're going to slowly get some more of these characters and definitely more Strontium Dog as sort of he's got a Johnny Alpha's got a pretty steady spot in the comics at this point. Oh, uh, yeah. I want more. I don't want him to be gone. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of uh, things with steady sections of the, of the comic, Fox. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Thrill, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thrill 6, DR and Quinch's Agony Page. They have some really definitely good ideas for you to do <laughs> crazy adventures buddy uh script about jamie delano and alan davis art about alan davis like about steve potter i don't um I, I don't think i mentioned this last time fox hmm. but it's called an agony page because in england advice columns are usually answered by like an agony aunt or uncle oh like that's the that's the character that a- answers advice pages in a similar way of our uh dear abby or ann landers you know understood answered by uh these twin old ladies that just answer people's problems in the newspaper um anyway lonely in kettering is worried about acne but the dudes tell him not to worry we see that Quinch has Dayglow acne to go along with his fedora suspenders and fishnet shirt look. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's a very, it's a very interesting thing going on there. Indeed. Uh, he's swarmed by ladies, and DR also suggests to use facial acne as a weapon of terror, as taught by Ugh. Lan Sing Boyle, oh, 14th gross. Dan Blackhead. Blech. That's right, Dr. Pimple Popper, eat your heart out, buddy. 
Uh, the next letter is from some students about to graduate, and they're nervous about it. Dr. and Quint have the ultimate answer, which is, of course, to resort to totally violent violence, blow up the place, and then chill out in the wreckage. Which, uh, you know, definitely does look a lot more orange than it was, like, purple and gray. I mean, you know, I've had I've had post-grad plans that were less detailed than that one, so that's reasonable. <laughs> um <laughs> In a letter from Gavin Akendon in Birkenhead, the, he asks how to buy tactical nukes on Earth, and DR admits it's tough. It's a tough thing. Suggests mm. they go about it the simple way, which is load up your hover car, fight your way into the Pentagon, and take them for yourself. But mm. because they've already done that, you'll have to go a different route. Mm. Suggests buying them from guys like Ollie North, Saudi businessman Adnan Khashoggi, uh, Mother Care, which was the maker of like baby stuff in England, Sylvester oh. Stallone, and or Ronald Reagan. Um, what? Or you can make them yourself with Dr. and Quinch's pamphlet on DIY weapons of mass annihilation. Oh my god. It's a good pamphlet. Finally, under a pile of letters, a question comes from a large fella named John Naylor in Salford. Um, should he become a psychotic killer of skinny people? Hmm. The boys say yes, just like Quinch's <laughs> giant murderous mom. Size is like liberation, man. It's fantastic. I these... really love these. They're so uh, horribly bad, but like so well within character, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, they just spin off to like overwhelming evil so quickly that it makes it kind of fun, for sure. It, I mean, like... And, and I think they, they do a good job of bringing that, that DR and Quinch feel as well. Um, yeah, like are these yeah, they, actual letters from readers? Hard to I'm say. I'm not sure. Like, I'd be interested to hear one way or another because they did spend like like weeks ask, like soliciting four letters. Yeah, exactly. In, in, in the Prague. So I gotta think they have some, although like later we'll see that maybe some of like... They might start off real and then later they turn into other things or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a real, you know, this is a fun series. I think they do do, do a really good job of bringing back this sort of um, an anarchic, like crazy DR and Quinch run around doing ridiculous things. That was yeah. from the original stories, you know. Like, I think DR is a little bit less overwrought in his writing than the original Alan Moore stuff. But, you know, that's just sort of to be expected, yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> different writer, different mental yeah. kind of thing. Totally. And speaking of complicated situations, oh. Thrill 7, Future Shocks. This first one's cute. Yeah, we got two Future Shocks this episode. First one, Old Quagmires Never Die. Script robot, Alan McKenzie as Murdoch McKenzie. Art robot, John Stone in frame. Letting robot, Tom Frame. Phineas, ex-Quagmire, has solved the problem of travel, a teleporter that moves you through time and space, so you arrive before you left. It's good times. Perfectly he acceptable. presses the button and it works, but as he kind of heads home from being teleported away, he worries about time paradox, with like what happens to the past hymns, do they die, do they disappear? Nah, <laughs> buddy. They're all just waiting in line to get back into his lab. Nah. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyhow, next story. Fair's fair. Oh, yeah. Script robot Jamie Delano, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, language robot Clive McGee. This is a long story. Um, Fucking too uh, long. And the through line is just a cop eating a bunch of food. Uh, uh, a, a, cab, a cab driver, actually. Oh, cab driver. Sorry. Derp. 
on Sky Jump, a Rimworld spaceport where all the last chancers show up. Arnie Blueblatt's space cab is the only way to go further out into space. A traveler wants to go moonside, but Arnie is suspicious about the fare, especially when the uh, trailer, as he's called, mentions the Drex. And indeed, he's soon, soon vacuumed up and boxed by a goddamn space lizard tax collector <laughs> from the Drexian Guild of Debt Hounds. It's really scratching that itch, isn't it, Conrad? Yeah. Arnie, um, as he's eat, as he yeah, stands at a food stand and eats the uh, owner's wares, like just slams well into his face. Oh, God. The entire sausage link was my favorite. Yeah, he remembers a time he helped a lady escape the Drex, taking her deep into the asteroid belt, where they sold his cab just in time for a big uh, glitz strike of like some some mineral thing, and soon he, the uh, Arnie and the lady were running the whole like owned a saloon and ran the whole place. In the end, though, Damn. the Drex the Drex showed up, and Arnie gave all the money he'd earned there to pay her debt. But when she did, she left him too. So Ugh. instead, he got the Drex to collect his massive cab fare from the lady that had been running all this time. <laughs> he's got his ca- he got his cab back, and now he's heading off, having taken a bunch of this food on credit from the diner owner. The the, the uh, diner owner's pissed, and although there is a Drex that might have an offer for him, ah, uh, gonna vacuum you up now, buddy. That's right, pay your bills. Such a bizarre, weird thing. Like, why lizard man tax collectors with vacuum cleaners? I mean, I do love the uh, the art by Bellardinelli here. Like, he does some great space stuff. Oh, I sure. do like all the different aliens and like the uh, and the Drex themselves and stuff. And like, um, Arnie is real like big and gross looking. So you kind of like, <laughs> like, oh yeah, like this guy's a jerk. You can just tell from looking at him and stuff. Like, oh, that's real great. And he was just grabbing random stuff off that guy's stall and just eating. Yeah. But in the end, this is like a six-page future shock and just makes me sad. <laughs> oh, yeah, Conrad. I mean, we've already talked about it more than I think we should ever have done. Indeed. And with that, Fox. Oh, my God. We have finished the thrills for this episode of Space Spinner 2000 for Progs 527 to 530. My God. It was just a, it was so much. Definitely. A lot going on. And with that done, I have one question for you, buddy, which is what, what we were talking about on Thrills. Oof. Tell me. So this is rough. This is really... Uh, okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna tell you, special mention is to Strontium Dog. Loved it. Mm. But it's ending, you know, ramping down. Um, mm. So I, it was fine. Closed out strong, I think. Um, right. But my my thing that I'm juggling here is... Clearly, it's Anderson side division, right? <laughs> like, <clears throat> clearly. However, Rogue Trooper kind of got me this week. Ooh, nice. So Rogue Trooper kind of, kind of was like, I got, I got interested in that, and so it's hard for me to choose. But well, like, obviously, it's Anderson side division. I just really <laughs> want everyone to know that it's like, had it not been for Orlock's awesome like escape and a bunch of cool shit going on mm. i mean rogue trooper was just so close but it's not bottom which is fantastic bottom's mean team get the fuck out of here man other than other than other than lobo that's the only thing that i care about if i ever have to see or read anything by blue blue again i'm gonna be real sad 
But it's oh, like, buddy, time for some like, sadness. I'm sorry. It's We're like so my least favorite character that they, they could have made. It's, it's so adorable. weird, man. Just that uh, that uh, 96 positioning they have is really <laughs> disturbing. You know, it's, I don't like it. It's bothersome. I mean, there's there's so many problems with this. Yes, we have a, a psychic panther, um, and and yes, we have uh, the, the, a 50% the panther's not man. enough, Fox. It's no, just, it's, it's not. not. It's it's not enough for the rest of it. You know, it's really just a, a lot of it's so unacceptable. Like as much as I love Henry Moon and his and the fact that he is still a talking panther, like <laughs> the rest of it is, is is not there. You know, it really isn't. Like let's <laughs> just kill my parents randomly. I mean, I know I'm talking about this a lot. Just you know, I wanted it no. to be good. I was so excited for it because Mean Team was so promising. Yeah, they just no, killed off the sure. robot guy so fast. You know what, Conrad? I'm I'm done talking about something that I'm sad about. I want to hear something that I'm happy about and what I want to hear. Ooh. And I think what the folks at home want to hear. I think, you know what? I'll put I'll put 10 groats on the table. I think it's what the whole universe wants to hear right now. Whoa. What were your top and What's bottom that? thrills? What's that, buddy? My top and bottom thrills? This came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I am actually going to agree with you this week, Fox. Oh, man. I'm um, solitary. I'm really digging so Anderson. Sweet. Like... You know, the, the end of Strontium Dog was okay, but we've really kind of seen the, you know, I mean, I mean, it is really wrapping up, I think. We, mm-hmm. We've seen the top parts of it. Although I do just like, I did like that final hunt by oh, yeah. um, Durham Red, so that was really great. Oh, um, yeah. I liked, you know, Dread was pretty good. I liked the fairly Hyperman stuff. That was pretty funny. And just it the was. ridiculousness of the end. Like, yeah, listen, but like, like we always grab a whole bunch. Like, whenever there's alien minerals, we, we grab all the colors just in case. <laughs> it seems reasonable if you live it's in a fantastic. comic book world, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, and, like, I agree that, like, Rogue Trooper's pretty, doing pretty good. Like, this is basically the best as we're going to get with Rogue Trooper. <laughs> or I don't know. Oh. Like, I... That's actually probably not true, but I just did like the parts of like him rallying the people and then bursting through the walls and stuff like that. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, I like him. I, I like that it was another double. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Because um, like they already knew it was bad. Using it twice, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Class. So many. Um, and then, but yeah, man, Judge Anderson, like this, the the height, the urgency of mm. Anderson, like this plot, like building to a big confrontation, stuff like that, and just or like just just seeing, like I I'm a I'm a real sucker for like schemes and like just having a big plan and stuff, and that so, all of it's going off flawlessly, even though you know it's just real bad. I mean, I'd say that honestly, like there have been some, like that there have been some snags in this plan, right? Oh, like sure. The, um, like the couple that tried to kill Anderson and stuff like that. Mm. Like those guys were all, um, you know, they were thwarted, but still, like you know, just you know, getting along kind of raggedly because these guys are are tenacious and really want to achieve their goals and stuff. I I I I really like this kind of story. Mm. Um, and so it's really great just to see in sort of the in the big crescendo of this stuff, you know, when when Maxwell gets taken down and you, but they realize that Orlock's still on the run and stuff. That's real great. Ugh. I it was oh. just like nonstop. I think you said it best. It's like Anderson's kind of like urgency um, for the whole thing just felt yeah. so so good and like it unveiled itself kind of 
quickly, sure. But like yeah, but... we also we were just jam packed with different characters, and so much happened within the span of that time. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the best 2000 AD stories we, we've seen have been ones where you are rushing through because you can't wait to see what, what happens next. You're rushing yeah. to the next Prague to see that. I, I, I always think back to uh, to the Apocalypse War with that, where things just kept oh, getting shit. worse and worse. Or a Blockmania, too, where things keep, kept getting worse and worse. You just had to read the next story just to know like if Dread would survive, if they'd be able to do this stuff. And it's the same what thing with this What new horror kind of awaits you, right? Like with this one... Yeah. Are they actually going to make it out, right? Like, they're certainly committing to the several parts of this thing. Definitely, yeah. And um, and on the other side, man, I just don't... Man, I really hate this um, Bad Jack character. I don't like the character. Like, yeah. And I think the worst thing that, that could have happened to a bad character like this is to make him be immortal, which just really drops the stakes for everybody. Yeah. For the whole story, you know? Because it's like, what, he what was the plan there? And, like, he doesn't care about anybody else. So even if he is immortal, like, he's not going to, like, save. He's not going to, like, despite being immortal, like, try to save people or fight on. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. it's just a, it's not a good, it's, it's not a good power set for this kind of hero. You know, Strong at least for what we've seen of him. Or a protagonist, I should say. Um, I should also mention just because, um, I, I feel like it'll come back, but there was a, like, I don't think it's in our scanned versions that, that we're reading here, but hmm. I think there was a page mismatch um, in the Judge Anderson stories in one of these. The oh, yeah, were, where it out, just we're out of order in the prog, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I just want to mention that so no one like, you know, like calls me up for not saying it. It happened. But I, <laughs> it, it's hard to see it happening in the, in the versions we're, we're, we're reading for one reason or another. Hmm. Anyway. With that said, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, please look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. Nice. And then Fox. <gasps> Check us out on Thursday as we take a look at the 1988 Judge Dread Annual. There's some pretty interesting stories there, including some real bad guys drawn by John Higgins. And I'll be joined by long-term chum of the show, Eamon Clark from the Mega City Book Club. Aw, uh, yeah, boy. Real good. Then, come back next time as Judge Dredd continues his heel turn as he confronts his greatest enemy, Democracy. Oh, my God. Also, he crosses paths with PJ Maybe for the first time, which will make sense for you uh, later on, Fox. Okay. Johnny Alpha deals with a royal wedding. A taxi driver rolls through Mega City 1. Bad Jack turns on his buddies. And watch out, parents, because Bradley is on the loose. Okay. (laughs) That damn Bradley. Nah, we'll see. Anyway, until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we... Our space spinner 2000. Spandig 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 Spandig